We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome, everybody. We are the Pettiest Bills Podcast. I'm not bright enough for all of that. Drew Gator. Because I thrive off negativity, it's just more hackery from a charlatan and a carpetbag. The Rock Pile Report. Oh, the blood pressure's rising. He gave him Coors Banquet beers out of spite. The pettiest, hardest drinking Bills podcast. I'll go to hell and back just to prove a point. To what is one of the most bleak and miserable episodes of the pod, the, the Rockball Report podcast of all time? I'm your host, Drew Gear. <laughs> That's my producer, Chris Kruger, in studio with us to just commiserate with me on all of this. Rock Sports Network's Ryan Lacell. Lacell, I don't even. I struggle with how to start this podcast because. I could. Come, I don't. I could come. You in. do it right here. Oh, here we Your go. Your request. I made old fashions. <laughs> we usually drink beer for these, but for whatever reason, the way that this played out, we need to have liquor. I can't do this without whiskey. So, cheers, Ryan. It's hold on. Yours is standard, old fashioned Demerara syrup. Ango bitters, and I use mellow corn whiskey because you hate it. That's why that, I, I was saying, is that what that bite is? That's why, yeah. There's a, it's a hundred mellow corn bottled and bond, a hundred percent straight corn whiskey. Ryan, you and I both have the same uh, still Austin whiskey, <laughs> oh, nutmeg right. syrup, and Turkish tobacco bitters. Chris, I gotta say, this is this is one of the best old fashions I've ever had. And I am a man who enjoys an old fashioned. This is crap in a glass, and I'm still going to drink it. <laughs> this is this, I, I'm, I'm, there's like no yeah. bite to this whatsoever. That this was is really Drew's good. was done with pure intent. <laughs> when you were like, <laughs> I need an old fashioned. I was like, Well, I'm making yours. Yeah, but what you don't understand is that I'm like Kenny Powers. Your hay, the hay fuels me. I feed <laughs> off this shit. Let's go. This is how we start a podcast. Here we go. Here's your Week 10 recap, guys. 
The Broncos 24 and the Bills 22 in the most inexplicable of fashions. Your stats of the game, I don't have them for you because I don't care. (laughs) The numbers no longer matter. We've transcended that. I almost feel like I'm sitting here and it's that that episode of The Office where they're trying to play the, the board game Dallas. Oh, yeah. And it goes... We've moved past rules a long time ago. We've moved past stats of the game. I don't know when or how, but we've moved past them. They no longer matter. Now what matters is the fact that we just had to sit through what was a nightmare of a football game. Once again, compliments of our Buffalo Bills coaching staff. Ryan, what was your game day experience like? Uh, So it did go to the game. Uh, begrudgingly went to the game, uh, went, you know, normal, tailgated, yeah, you're cringing every time you take a sip of that. Man, whoever suggested mellow corn to Chris. Hold on, Ryan, try that to concur with Drew. No. No, you don't need to rub it. Yeah, I say you don't need to rub it in my face. It's like walking into somebody's house who makes more money than you oh, and you yeah. know it. Yeah, ooh. Yeah, that's terrible, isn't it? So <laughs> it, that, that would be like, that's like when you have like a neighbor down the street and you know they make more money than you and you go, so what? And then you walk into his house and you go, ah, fuck. I hate this guy. God, I hate this guy. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so we tailgated, went to the, you know, went went into the, to the stadium. And you and I have talked about this a couple times via text over the last few weeks. It felt I mean, it, it honestly, it felt very drought-like when I got to my seats. There was, the energy wasn't what it usually is. The anticipation wasn't what it usually is. Like, you know, it just, it just felt like, you know, the old days. Like, it was the, it was the old days of being a Bills fan where, you know, they, they'd get a, they'd have a good play, you know, and you'd, I'd turn and look at the people around me. I go, none of this matters. <laughs> like, <laughs> you all see what's happening here, right? Like, none of this matters anymore. They came out in the first play from scrimmage. It was, right, set the tone before the game. Set the tone. Let Josh be Josh. They accepted it. Win, whoa, whoa, whoa. They did win the, the thing. Win the toss. They take did the, the ball. Thing. Most right? teams don't do. They, yes. they, took, they won the toss. They zigged when everyone was zagging. And they took the ball. The thing the analytics tell you you should not do. And they did it. And I understand if the, if the players are in the locker room going, hey, we want this. We want a chance to start the game off with an emphatic thing, and the coaches go, all right, man, if you win this, take it. Yeah. And then that's the play. I didn't have a problem with the play. I had a problem with the fumble. The sure, play sure. was fine. You, get, you f- get your fumble. skill guy out, 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 in, out in space with blockers in front of him. But even the fumble was a... A very good defensive play. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The defender, it's not like a gimme. He wasn't being careless with the ball. The defender had to work for that fumble. Yeah. And we have a coach whose first response is, no, you're benched. Yeah. What? Yeah. Okay. Take take one of our most expensive players, our expensive, explosive players off the field for a giant chunk of this football game. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sure you'll profit from this. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking... What are we doing here? What, All right, what now, a message. What a message you're sending. Yeah. Now we're in. So, we had an epic tailgate. First of all, you know who I was super happy to see at the tailgate? Johanna. This woman has right, to she be... Was, she's real close. Dude, dude, she's... Dude, she... 81? She might be my favorite, one of my favorite yeah. human beings on Earth. This woman parties. She shows up with a water bottle full of scotch at 81... 
She's drinking out of a plastic champagne flute, I think it was. Yep. And she's telling stories about how they used to just travel around, and she's local. Yeah. And she's like, oh, we've been traveling for years. She's she's European, Johanna. And she, just the way she tells stories, she's hilarious. The fact that she's at my tailgate and that she's drinking just as hard as I am, I go, listen, that lady is awesome. Yeah. She's a winner. And obviously her, her grandson's okay. <laughs> He's into, Josh is all right. But so he came. The, a whole bunch of people I work with came. It, it was, Chris, for being what it was, it was the perfect crowd, wasn't it? Yeah, you know who I like seeing there? Good old Dave Gear. My dad Dave showed up. Dave Gear heavily enjoyed <laughs> my old fashions. Good. So, and he was. And, and he, he didn't fight you. Other people. I yeah, assumed he other, was going to punch you in the mouth the first time he saw Other people died. that showed up to see Dave was like, you got to have this kid's old fashions. <laughs> Make make him an old fashioned. Yeah. So my dad's so friend- Chris's chest got puffier and puffier oh, as the yeah. tailgate so, went on. So my dad's friends with the guy who uh, was a former bassist in Bad Company. He was the bassist for Bad Company, and he's at our tailgate. And we're just talking, but, but it's like it's weird because I've known him for so long that he yeah. doesn't seem like he's anybody important. Is it that old guy with the earrings? Yeah, because if you rock, you get to wear earrings forever. That's the rule. I don't make them. I just I accept them. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I just I don't, accept yeah. it. If you're a rock star, you get to just wear earrings forever. That them's the rules. I didn't write the book. I just abide by it. So the tailgate's a blast. The food is incredible. The ribs come out perfect. In fact, one of the quotes I heard from people who like barbecue is that Iman's ribs were better than most of the restaurants they've ever had them at. Yeah. The drumsticks weren't terrible, but you know, you know, it's my work. So it's usually slapped together, and it's good, but it could be better. Yeah. <laughs> At least by my standards. Everyone, no, no one else complains. It was a great time. I met uh, Joey Diaz character from New, Jer- from New Jersey. He's, tw- he's Joey Diaz incarnate. It was a great tailgate. Everything about it was everything I wanted it to be, short of the wind. The best part about that kid that Potter brought... I had, I think I was making somebody a cocktail, and I had overheard him. I don't know if he was saying it to somebody or just talking like how you do, and you just speak into the ether until somebody can join the words that you had just yelled <laughs> into the ether. And he was he had complained about because he was like in his mid twenties, and he complained about uh, not being able to drink and watch a Jet playoff game. And I had to stop what I was doing, and I had I like went over to him and leaned across the table, and I was like, "Hey, hey, hey let me let me tell you let me tell you something about you want to talk about droughts and you haven't been able to drink <laughs> for a Jet playoff game." I go, "Dude, let me tell you something. First kiss, virginity, marriage, divorced, all within our play our seventeen year drought. So suck on that one, buddy." <laughs> and then I went. Back to making a cocktail or doing whatever it is that I was doing. The tailgate was amazing, which was the complete inverse of the football game itself. Awful. So we so we roll in there, the fumble, then the interception, and then I just watch another punt, and I look at Chris, I go, we're, we're out of here. It's you and me in the truck. I'm leaving right now. Chris is a good soldier when it comes to that, because he's just like, all right, all right I'm in. 
Well, he well, did like, text you. He did text you and say, did you actually leave? So yeah, he texted you, So me. My, my guess is that you wander. No, no. You, what you, happened you make was some grand gesture I went, in the no, crowd. No, 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 no. I went to go buy a beer, and then I had to pee. So I have my newly bought beer. I'm in the bathroom, and I'm listening to the way this game is going. And I hear and then see the interception as I'm coming out of the bathroom. And I go, I'm fucking finished with this. Yeah. Oh, we're done with this. This is like dating a bad girlfriend. And you finally have that moment of clarity where you go, you know what? I'm leaving her here at this bar when she's made a drunken ass of herself, (laughs) which is something I've done multiple times in my life. And I realize in that moment that I have to leave because I'm going to be. There's two little girls sitting behind us. I am going to be a problem if I have to go back to those seats. And I don't want to do it to them. I don't want to do it to myself. They I were want the, everybody. They were the eight-year-old version of Drew. Yeah, no, these little girls were ruthless. Screaming. Screaming. One of them hit me, like, early on in, like, the pregame process, and the mother was like, you apologize to that man. And the girl was like, he's fine. And I laughed <laughs> so hard. I was like, I am fine. That is funny, though. And she's like, who gives a damn? He's eight times my size. Yeah. It doesn't matter. None of this matters. None, right? of, this like, matter. none of this matters. Listen, all I can think of is Car- for those of you who've ever watched Aqua Teen Hunger Force, all I can channel is my inner Carl. Carl Brutanolanoluski. <laughs> it doesn't matter. None, <laughs> doesn't none, matter. none of this matters. Just none of this. None of this matters. So that that's a theme of tonight's show. Yeah. None of this matters. None of this matters. So we storm out before Dalton Kincaid scores a touchdown. We hear it as we're leaving the stadium, as we're at the gates, walking past. The bills make me what? And everyone's cheering, and I'm like, fuck these guys. And then I get home and find out that it's 15. And I go, wait, 15 to 8? What What did you do? What did you do? (laughs) What could you have possibly done in the short time that I was in the truck? I was only driving. Trying to do math in your head. So so you don't listen to the game. You weren't listening to the game. No. I think it was just me screaming in the truck while Chris sat there and tried to ignore me. We did have, you couldn't decide on a song, that's for sure. No, that's it. I kept looking for something that could express my inner anguish, and it turns out that, like Ron Burgundy. Is, did you guys remember that? I was Ron Burgundy. Again, this comes back. Ron Burgundy at the bar. When that guy, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. When he when he's doing his second rendition of uh, Afternoon Delight, yeah, it's it's more depressing that time around, isn't it? So go home. I fall in on my wife. Chris is nice enough to help me unpack the truck before he leaves, which yep. was a baller move. So I'm now here badgering my wife and realize I'm bothering her and I'm ruining her night. I'm going to the basement, but you know what I'm not doing is I'm not turning the game on. I'm going to sit down here silent in protest. silence and just drink. And at a certain point, Larissa comes downstairs to check on me to see if because she's a good wife, a great wife. Now, the game is ended. My phone is exploding and I'm refusing to look at it. (laughs) Text messages, phone calls. So what what in your what's going on in your head as texts and phone calls are going off? What what are you thinking happened? Either I missed the best thing in the world or this ended exactly the way I thought it was going to. Fair enough. So. I think it ended worse than we expected. Larissa comes downstairs, and I know it's bad because she comes downstairs slowly and looks, and she's just like, 
you okay down here? <laughs> and she said, she, she even joked, she goes, it was like a film noir thing. Like, you're just down here in a dimly lit room with a glass of whiskey, and you're not even saying anything. You're just swirling it, just staring <laughs> off into the light, distance. Single it's light it. bulb over your it's head. It's just, just a single sway, light lit in a room. side to side. It's the most depressing thing you've ever walked in on. <laughs> like something out of Sin City. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, look, it, it is what it is. I don't care. I don't care about any of this anymore. Yeah. I'm dead inside. <laughs> so I proceed, she just goes upstairs. I proceed to drink my face off and wake up in the morning. Now, I, have, I took the day off, not because I knew I was going to booze, but because I had a job to do. I had to paint a floor-to-ceiling fireplace. Painting bricks sucks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, Chris, you ever done it? No, I figured it would be easy for you because you're Puerto Rican and it's, there are known painters, It's po- at least in Atlanta. It's porous. And it's like, it's not, it sucks up the paint. Yeah. So you're even with like, you roll the bricks and then you're trying to brush in all of the gaps and you're Mm -hmm. trying to seal it all with primer before you can even seal it with actual latex paint. Right. Did you cut your ear off after it? No. (laughs) Van Gogh joke. I know. I know it is. (laughs) What an ass. No, no, no. I'm just saying just in case, because you're eight, you're nine beers in a Manhattan deep, so I'm just making sure you're keeping up with Chris. But but what happened was, I wake up, I'm the most hungover I've been in God knows how long. Like, this was a bad one. This one hurt. And so I'm now. This was one where you pro- you weren't planning what you were drinking, right? No, you were, you were, now it's you just, were drinking whatever was within arm's reach. Not I finished the bottle of the 115 proof Boondocks whiskey he bought me as a housewarming gift. Finished it on the rocks. Not even. I think I drank that one neat because I ran out of ice and I was too lazy to go get more. Because <laughs> again. Full nihilism. None of this matters. I don't care. <laughs> so the next morning I wake up and I'm hungover. And here's my wife who's just like, like, we're talking about it. And I go, honey, everything sucks. She goes, do you want me to go get you some breakfast? Like a breakfast, like a slice of pizza or something? Like, what can I do? Because you look like death. Yeah. <laughs> and the way you're talking, because I'm saying things like I go, I, I have booze sweats. And I'm like, well. It doesn't matter. And she goes, well, why don't you eat something? That doesn't matter either. Yeah. I go, honey, the sun could explode and kill us all right now. I don't care. So you're so you're in no you're in you're 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 in no shape to help yourself and you're in no mood to help yourself. No, you have no, 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 no interest in making things easy on, on morning. Drew, when I'm in this mood, it, it takes a weird combination of a hangover and a bill's loss to put me into a headspace where I don't care if the entire universe were to end today. It doesn't matter. But it I, has I to be a certain kind of Bill's loss, right? Because yes. we've done this for 20 years. Like, yes. That's, it was kind of like the joke that we talked about, and I posted the meme where, you know, all of these content creators who came along, you know, after McDermott are, are struggling, and you and I are sitting there going, first time? Like, so it takes a special kind of Bill's loss, because a normal Bill's loss, you just go, five oh, years you ago, it. five years ago, a Bill's loss would have just been, like, yeah, okay. <laughs> just, yeah. It's just one one of eight that we get to watch this year, right? Now, you expect to win most games, yes. especially that one. Yeah. And so to know that that's how it ended, everything goes to shit. You wake up the next day and you are a husk of a human being with no soul. You're just a void. <laughs> and, I'm, and finally, my wife at 11.10 in the morning goes, you should just have some beers. You should just, yeah, just see lean into it, man. Just lean because into it, man. Because she's a good woman. She yes. goes, 
I know what's going to fix this. You need to just have some beers. And she actually pushed me to having a Montauki, and it was the best thing. It's, yeah. it's That, Chris, and a little bit of that moonshine. Once it, once it hits your lips. Dude, it turned my day right around. <laughs> In fact, it was slow going, if you can believe this. Hungover painting, you're not quite as quick as you think you would be. Still no food, but a couple beers. I was right back on the horse, and I got that job finished. And it looks gorgeous. Well, what do they say? You can't be can't be hungover if you never stop drinking, right? Hungover on a ladder is therapy for anybody who thinks that they have problems in life. Be hungover on a ladder painting for an hour. I had the. Th- I was joking with my wife in the kitchen. I had the thought that if I had ever just like instead of doing collections that eventually became accounts receivable, that eventually became a real a real financial profession. I would have, like, if I had decided to be a painter, I would have quit a few hours into my very first gig. <laughs> you would have got, I would have been in someone else's house on a ladder, 30 feet in the air with a roller, and just been hung over and been looking around going, you know what? Nah. Just nah. <laughs> and they would have been like, well, we're not going to pay you. Doesn't matter. Don't care. <laughs> I don't care what happens to me right now. I just know I'm not doing any more of this. Yep. And I go, but unfortunately, this is in my house. I can't quit now. Yep. I started. Kind of example of that stuff for your children. So when we were at the game, I got a text from Jessica. She just goes, the internet's out. And I go, all right, we have the same mind at this. We know we know what happened. We have an idea of what happened. And I just like text her back, are you going to go look? And she goes, yeah, I'll go look. And then I sent her a text a little bit later. I'm like, second quarter, we're, we're, leaving. we're leaving. We're leaving. I was like, I'll be home in like 45 minutes. I get home, and she's already in bed. And I went into our bedroom, and I go, did you, did you look? She goes, no, I didn't. And I go, I'll go look. So I go outside, I turn my flashlight on, and I walk over into the corner of the yard where our Verizon Fios box is. Sure as shit, the dogs ate the fiber optic cable, and I have no internet. This is the second so, time they've done it. Second time that they've done it. I walk back in. I walk back into our bedroom, and Je- Jessica's like this, like, oh, Please, please, tell me. And I go, yep. And she goes, God damn, because the internet is in under her phone number. So, you know, like when you call customer service to get a tech out, you got to, like, you know, do the whole spiel of the number that's attached to the account, the address, and then maybe security questions to get into the account. Yeah. Which I don't know. And they won't talk to you. Exactly. They got to talk, they talk so to her to talk to you. Monday night, 1030 at night, and we are, I'm on the phone with India. <laughs> and realistically, I, what are they going to do I, for you at 10 o'clock yeah. at night, right? Like, well, you need a new, you need a new line. I, so, like. I need to get a tech, I, but <laughs> Jessica's day is so busy on Tuesday. <laughs> She's like, I'm, I'm not going to have time at all to call. So it's, I'm missing the trash on television because I'm laying in bed with Jessica on the phone with India to get a tech out. That's a that's a that would make for a good Twitter poll. What would you rather do? What would you rather do? Sit on sit on the phone and talk to a customer service rep from Verizon 
at 10 o'clock on a Sunday night or rewatch the Bills or Monday night or rewatch the Bills Broncos Monday night game. That's a, That's a good, good Twitter one. poll. Yeah. So I, I think that would be pretty close to 50 50. I'll be honest with you. I am now I'm like mad because so like I took off work to go to the game. I still have to work overnight Tuesday night. So I'm up and like I got to prepare my body to work one overnight shift. So I'm not going to go to bed until like two thirty, three o'clock in the morning. So it's like I have I don't have the Internet. I can't work on I can't work on thumbnails for YouTube or put in a little like production prep for the show tonight because I have no Internet. I can't grab audio, do do anything. So I'm like relegated to playing PlayStation till like two thirty in the morning. And oh, oh, and no. and Poor as baby. yeah, as I usually do, but I go up to bed. I take uh, what I like to call sleep juice to help me sleep, and I take that at two thirty in the morning. So I'm assuming I fell asleep between two forty five and three o'clock in the morning, and I woke up at one o'clock in the afternoon, only to find that Ken Dorsey had been fired. <clears throat> And That's what I woke is, up to. And this is where the podcast really starts, because here I am being a hungover piece of shit on a ladder with now with a with a beer and a little bit of moonshine in me. <laughs> and my wife comes over. I've got my headphones on and painting and she comes over and she's doing the two hand wave like she's drowning. So I stop and I take the earbuds out and I go, honey, what's up? As I'm on top of an eight foot ladder and she goes, they fired Ken Dorsey. And I just went. And put him back in and just went back to painting. And you've missed, you've got notifications because I know I texted you. My I know phone, our group, I know our group chats were blowing my up. My phone was the farthest thing away from me that day. And it's exactly what I needed. It was a day of just shutting my brain off and painting a fucking wall. So as I'm working on it, she comes in with this, this like, oh my God. And I just had to laugh, and then she's like, wait, so you don't think that's crazy? I go, no, that's hilarious. I'm just not drunk enough to process this yet. <laughs> and then cracked a new beer and just went back to work, just just brushing away at this fucking brick wall. So I want to talk about this. The firing of Ken Dorsey. I don't know how we're supposed to feel as a fan base, because usually, Chris, when you fire someone... There's an emotional response when you fire a head coach. Can you remember where you were or what you were thinking when they told you that they fired Chan Gailey? No. Can you remember where you were when they told you they were firing, uh, what's his face? Rick uh, Dennison. Skele- no, Skeletor. Uh, Turk Schoner? No, Dick Duran. Dick Duran. He, like, he, lo- he looks like him. <laughs> He looks like Skeletor. So when they fire Dick Duran, the only one I can that I can remember was uh, Turk Schoenert. I was working at MetLife. Okay, it was like a new job, and I was in my cubicle, and you I had a cubicle at one point. Yeah, how did I not know this? That's fucking hilarious to picture you with dumb hair in a cubicle. Yeah, I had a cubicle. And I was listening to... His hair looks like a lot of people who work at call centers. Yes. I know, and I hate them all. <laughs> well, I was not working at a call center. I was working at... There's a reason guys I was like wor- me... I was like a mortgage... Guys like that. I was a mortgage assistant at MetLife Home Loans under somebody. Okay. Because that was a 
Possible career choice for me. Home, Possible career choice. Home loans. But I would advise anybody not to start doing home loans in 2008. It's <laughs> a bad idea. How did you start doing <laughs> Well, I, I got my mom's, my, mom's boyfriend, my mom's boyfriend at the time uh, was, uh, did real estate law. Oh. And so I was uh, in the market to do something, and he was like, you know, you could always get into mortgages. You don't need a college degree or anything. And he says, I goes, he goes, I know this uh, guy that does mortgages that does heavy business for Atlanta and needs an assistant, and I'm pretty sure he could uh, train somebody. And so there you so are. So I'm cube. training. I'm training, and uh, two months in, this guy retires. So then I'm like shit out of luck. But I remember being in my cubicle listening to G- to GR on the internet, and it was like September early September or late August and I'm like Turk Schoenert why would you fire a coach in the preseason that important to the team made no sense yeah because none of of this matters (laughs) no because because in the words of Carl Bertanelanelewski yeah there you go none of this matters now let's talk about the firing of Ken Dorsey now you guys have just been subjected to about 20 minutes of stupidity I'm going to fire this thing up for you right now. This is one of the most gutless maneuvers I've ever seen. I don't know what's dumber. The fact that they hired him or the fact that they fired him. Ryan, you're successful in your professional life. Mm-hmm. You work in an industry, like, I'm not going to get too specific, because obviously... I work in the mortgage industry. You work in the mortgage industry. We can say that, yeah. Okay. We can say that. Do you need an assistant? Sure. (laughs) So if I were to come... Send your resumes in my DMs. (laughs) What happened to Ken Dorsey is one of these things where if someone were to come to you and say, hey, you're kind of mortgage industry adjacent. You just got in, you kind of understand it, you're working in a cubicle like Chris is. Do you want to sit in the VP's office? Mm-hmm. And they go, of course I do. I want to be a director. Everyone yeah. wants to be a director. Yeah. So they open the office door and they let you move your shit in and you put all your stuff there. But that doesn't mean that you know how to do the job. Right. It just means that you've been given a title. Every offensive coordinator that's been here, Chris, had experience. Rick Dennison, even Sean McDermott was smart enough to pick in his, in his infancy as a head coach, Sean McDermott was smart enough to pick Rick Dennison, who had prior offensive coordinator experience. Brian Dable had years of offensive coordinating experience before he took the Buffalo job. He got Brady Quinn twice in the NFL over like a six-year, seven-year span. So, when you hand the keys to a Ferrari to a 14-year-old, or in this case, a 12-year-old. How can you be mad at the outcome? Of course they don't understand how to how to shift. Of course they're going to burn out your clutch and maybe crash into something because they don't understand acceleration. This is what was always going to happen with a guy with no experience. And not just no experience, but no experience at any level. Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah, I mean it's the it's the analogy of 
you know, common workplace issues where just because you're really good at the job that you do doesn't mean that you should be the one managing the people doing it, right? Like Ken sure. Dorsey, by all accounts, was a great quarterbacks coach. He was a great college quarterback, a subpar NFL quarterback. Uh, again, by all accounts, a great quarterbacks coach in the NFL. But just because you're a great position coach doesn't mean you're going to be a great coordinator. Sean McDermott, just because you're a great defensive coordinator doesn't mean you're going to be a great head coach. Brian Dable, just because you're a great offensive coordinator doesn't mean you're going to be a good or great head coach, coach, right? Like like this is a fundamental issue with, and it's not just the Buffalo Bills, it's not just the NFL, it's a fundamental issue in business where it's like that person's been doing job A, job A reports to job B, so that person by transitive property will be great at job B, right? Like it doesn't work that way. You have to hire somebody who knows what the hell they're doing. If you have a Josh Allen, you have an offense that's capable of going toe-to-toe with the best offense that we've ever seen in the Kansas City Chiefs, led by Andy Reid. You've got a quarterback and an offense that went toe-to-toe, was better than the Kansas City Chiefs two years ago. And you hand the keys to someone with no experience under the guise of he was the quarterback's coach. He learned from the offensive coordinator that did that. It's the same thing with Josh Allen, where in his press conferences, they asked him after the Broncos game, do you still have confidence in this offense? His answer was yes. The question was why? His answer was because we've done it before. Right, so like because you've done it before doesn't mean you can do it again. That's the not how. Would, that's not. That's not an answer that's grounded in reality. That's it. What, what that is? That's every fan out there who's going. Well, the Bills will just figure this out. We're still a playoff contender. I had some guy on Twitter tell me that I'm not living in reality, or that I'm being somehow obtuse because I'm discounting them in the playoff race. The reality is their playoff percentages are below thirty percent. Yeah, like that's it. That's reality. Well, this is and yet yet, this guy goes. Well, they always figure it out. Under what circumstances? What do you have tangibly right now today? And this is where this starts. Yeah. Can I counterpoint? As I mean, you can try. As somebody, as a layperson listening to this. Yep. Ken Dorsey had eight years as a QB coach, Carolina and Buffalo. So then my question, and I'm sure a lot of people have the same question, at what point do you give them that opportunity? Well, you, you give them the opportunity you, if your quarterback seems like he likes him. That's, that's the thing. Well, well I think I, what, I, what, I would say, what I would say is in, in, in normal circumstances, you would give him an opportunity to, if you to, were an offense that's fine, trying to find its identity, a team that's up and coming. We've seen this before, right? We're what seeing you would do is you would have him interview alongside multiple other offensive coordinators so that you could weigh his value against the value of guys' voices outside the organization. Right. I mean, at the end, they didn't do that. At the end of the day, right? Like, you don't, like, you've got a Ferrari. Yep. At the end of the day, you ju- you just can't you can't give the reins to someone with zero experience driving a Ferrari. You just can't. And if you're driving a, well, again, if, you, if you do that, you end up like Henry Ruggs. 
Again, there's that those well timed those well timed one liners from Chris, but if, if, if we're seeing it in in Detroit, we're seeing it in Houston, right? We're seeing these guys that were by all accounts up and comers. They move into these coordinator positions because it doesn't matter, right? Like C.J. Stroud, nobody thought, talent. nobody Just give thought, him a direction. Nobody thought Houston was going to be here, right? So it didn't matter what the offense looked like this year. All it was about was the development of. C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud is give, burying people. That's when you make an offensive coordinator out of a guy who had been a career quarterbacks coach, yes. right? It's not when you're on the cusp of a Super Bowl discussing whether your window is still open or not. That's not when you hand the keys to someone now, who has zero experience calling football. And now here's what I'll say in response to like that. <sighs> Social media is awash with... Just examples of the way the offense is broken. Dan Orlovsky, and this is what I don't like about the Ken Dorsey firing, is that it's been broken to anyone willing to... Chris, we just decried it last week. We were talking about all the EPA bullshit that's been going on for week after week after week. Uh, they talk about it. Well, statistically, the, the offense is fine, so it's... Uh, DVOA, EPA. Take DVOA and EPA again. You, you take them, you shine them up really nice, and you turn them sideways and you shove them. Right, like the Rock said it better than I can. Yeah. But, but realistically, you're talking about the fact that social media will show you all the ways that schematically this offense was failing for weeks. Mm-hmm. Weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. Here's broken plays. Here's a play that doesn't make sense. It took ESPN making fun of us for Sean McDermott to make a move. And in this way, I don't like it. I don't like the fact that it took the national media piling on. And the fact that you probably actually just threw your season away. Yeah. Kurt Warner, what did uh, Kurt, you guys saw Kurt Warner's comments? No, I don't yeah. know Kurt Warner. He, well, he said <laughs> something of to the effect of, okay, well, this change doesn't do much. Yeah. Just yeah. There, assigning everything to, to Joe Brady there's now. There's two guys that so, I follow when it comes to offense and quarterback stuff and it's cuz they're really good at it, right? It's Dan Orlovsky and Mario Granada. Really good at that stuff and it's and it's Chris Sims. <laughs> Chris Sims is really good at the quarterback stuff, right? Yeah. Chris Sims, I I retweeted it tonight. He says, "I get that the, the a lot of offensive numbers pointed to the Bills being good, but I promise you that's not because of the play calling prowess." Yeah. Right, film doesn't lie. There's a rarely cohesive flow of plays tied together. There's too much burden on Josh Allen to make yeah. things happen. At the same time, I tweeted this Dan Orlovsky when Dorsey yeah. got fired said, "I remain adamant the Bills' offense schematically is broken." broken. So my response to that is wh- where you're going with this. Dorsey, my quote was, Dorsey needs to be fired for running a schematically broken offense. Yep. Sean McDermott needs to be fired for allowing an offensive coordinator to run a schematically broken offense for so long that it has torpedoed the playoff chances of your football team. And this is the thing. like, So Greg Thompson from Cover One had an, a Twitter analogy for what just happened. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you guys think back to the show Breaking Bad, you remember the character Victor? Yeah. Latino guy? Mm-hmm. Kind of uh, followed, worked with Mike? Yep. For those first few seasons, right up until they uh, had Glenn? And when Walter White and Jesse conspire to kill Glenn to, to save their own asses, I understand why they did it. Gus Fring comes down and slits Victor's throat in front of him. Now, that's his guy. Yep. But he does it as a message to everyone in the room that, like, look, I don't care who you are. Failure is failure. I can't fire you. I can't kill either one of you because you're right. You've put me in a corner. Now watch what I do because you did this. And he could see the horror on their faces with the acknowledgement that we just cost this guy who did nothing his life. And his thing, his theory was like, this was a firing to send a message to Josh Allen. I don't think it is. Yeah, I, I, I would push I would push back on that. Because, I'd push back on because that. Because that, that assumes, I think, what that... Because in that analogy, we're going to use the same analogy, right? Let's stick with Breaking Bad. Gus Fring was still in control, right? Like, at the end of the day, if Gus Fring wanted to, he could have killed. Yeah, he could have killed everybody and just gone and got more more meth cooks. So, So what that analogy, like, puts out is that Sean McDermott is still in control and the guy. And there is zero indication that Sean McDermott is in any kind of control of this, this organization Right up to 2020, point. I would have believed you. Yeah. Not after that. No. That what, what 17 this, now runs the organization. What this, what this and again, I'm going to go back to the business world because that's yeah. the, the world that you and I operate in. What this equates to to me is I have someone who works under me who is okay at their job. They have some problems, but at the end of the day, you could argue that they've maybe cost us a couple of clients. Maybe they've made some mistakes that weren't, you know, weren't weren't really great, right? Like on paper, they do their job that they're supposed to do. They they hit their numbers. They do, they, you know, but they're not excelling at their job, right? We lose a client. My boss comes to me and says, "What the f just happened? What are you doing with my organization? What are you doing with your department? If something has to change, fix it, or I'm going to fix it." So I go to that person who's, you know, the lowest performing member of my team. Again, not necessarily doing anything wrong, but I get rid of them and I go to my boss and go, hey, I found the problem. Root cause analysis. Yeah. Right. Five whys, man. That's business, business, business. That's it. And I went and, and I and I got rid of the problem. So it won't be a problem again. What this is, is this is Sean McDermott playing what I view as the last card he has to play. Meanwhile, you look at this, and Chris, just last week on the show, we played the conflicting messages that they were putting out. Yep. We played the audio. 
it's clear they were never on the same page. No. So now this isn't a thing of like, oh, well, that's just a guy who can't do his job. What this is is a guy who Sean McDermott allowed to do a job poorly for a very long time. And now we need to talk about his accountability. Like Sean McDermott, accountability, and just other Bill's problems. I got into an interesting back and forth on Twitter in the immediacy of the final final gun of the game with uh, Aaron Cromer's daughter. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Aaron Cromer's daughter took to Twitter, or the Bills offensive line coach. She's a, she's an she's an adult. Right? She's an like, adult. Let's preface that with yeah, she's you're, an you're adult. not arguing this with isn't a twelve a child. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Although I'd fight a kid, yeah. <laughs> not physically. You're ready to fight the one behind you, right? The eight year old behind you. It is, it, no, it no. Isn't in fact, the, if anything, I respect her, Moxie. <laughs> it isn't a child that her dad threatened at the beach. Yeah, right. Like you're about the same age as like the, no. She she's, she's an, an adult, adult yes. child. Yes. Which so she's tel- like oh, tweet deleted though. She, oh, of course it is. But it, hey, listen, the internet's forever. I have it screenshotted. Because I tweeted and you it. sent it to me, so I, <laughs> I have it. <laughs> I tweeted her the Ron Swanson thing of don't sass me. Because she's like, Bill's Mafia, all I hear about it from Bill's Mafia is that you guys are loyal, but I, there's a lot of gross stuff on Twitter tonight, blah, 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 blah. Okay. First of all, if you're going to take this personally over what your dad does for a living, you should log off. Second of all, I'm sorry that I'm no one's attacking your father for the first time in forever. No one's bashing the Bills offensive line. Yeah. For the first time in forever. They're like the they're Bills like, offensive line is not. They're the like they're like double digits on the list of things that are wrong with this football team right I now. I have right? to go like, so far down the list of things that suck. Like really, to if find the offensive if, line. If this offense was working, we would be having conversations about look what Aaron Cromer has done exactly. with Osiris Torrance. Look what he's done with Spencer Brown. He's playing great. He's having a he's a good right tackle again. And yet she's out here besmirching our fan base because she goes, "Well, you guys are bad fans because I heard that you guys are all about family, but you're not acting like it tonight." And my response was, it's not our fault that your dad's boss doesn't know what he's doing. (laughs) Don't sass me. I would say the same thing to an uncle who allowed the power to go out at his house and I missed my flight to Florida for Christmas. I would treat him the same way I'm treating everybody else. This is it. And so so there's a back and forth there and it's interesting and now it's all deleted to Chris's point, but it is funny. Like it's funny that like people... The fact that she feels the need to take to social media after this game shows you the pressure that's building behind the scenes after every single one of these absurd losses. Yeah, because that, that doesn't come from nowhere, right? We've that lost comes, a dozen games. Her, he, I, I went back through her timeline. She's never taken to right. Twitter to criticize the bill. That, that comes from somewhere. And, we, and, we, and I talked about this. So on she the, must be hearing something at home. I, I talked about this on the post game with, with Paul and Mario on, on hashtag. Um there's there's starting to be cracks in the foundation before we we always well, we always marveled there. we've always marveled at how tight of a ship being and McDermott ran right like there was never anything that came out of one bill's drive there was never any trade rumors there was never any free agent signings like these things all came out of nowhere because they were ran such a tight ship and now we're starting to see pinholes in, in the in, I don't know, in the pinholes. Season. Go back to the beginning of the season. Sean McDermott torpedoed his own boat. Mm-hmm. When he comes out after that whole dust up between Dorsey and Diggs, he comes out. Yeah. And go, they're like, "How concerned are you? Very concerned." Yeah, 
he probably hates you too. Yeah, and he was back at practice the next day, right? Like back at practice. Yeah, but you were very concerned. Well, that tells me you don't have a connection with the players. Mm-hmm. In which case, what are you as the head coach? Right. There. Did you guys see you uh, the tweet from Quentin Spain? Yeah. Oh, Quentin Spain had a lot to say about Wrong all guy. this. Wrong guy. And he had well, but here's the worst part. Quentin Spain went on to address like people who Bills fans who were like, "Oh, you got fucking cut." He goes, "No, no, 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 no. I demanded my release. Yeah, I demanded my release because I knew things weren't right." I and and, and j- all jokes aside, I mean, I joke about it, but we're like Quentin Spain's been around. He's been to enough organizations where he knows whether it's a well-run organization yeah. or not, right? Like he can tell that kind of stuff. So yeah. for me, I guess I look at this and I go, "Listen, have you quit a job where you look around and you go?" Oh, I just got here, but this sucks. This yeah. is poor. I haven't. You work in the mortgage mortgage industry. I worked there for a brief second. I joined a company that you know well. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, absolutely. And that company was a former like chop shop, like it was a collection agency for subprime mortgages. They talked their way into being a mortgage servicer. Mm-hmm. And now they've got half a million mortgages to service, and they have zero infrastructure. But nobody knows that from the outside. They go, look, this is a successful company. Mm-hmm. And you go, oh, they've got some star employees. They've got some great things going for them. But behind the scenes, there are problems. There's critical flaws in how you are structured, how you orchestrate things, how you coach, how you teach, how you or like I said, how you how you just run format your business. I got to see it firsthand. There was a guy named Kima. I'll never forget. It. He comes to a meeting and just goes, "What are we gonna do with all these Chinese people? We didn't have a Mandarin translator, but we took on half a million mortgages. Mm-hmm. You don't think there's a single person there who might not speak English? Right. They didn't have the foundation." I worked there. Chris, remember you dropped a dip off at the front desk for me once. <laughs> oh, God, Ryan, did you ever hear this story? <laughs> Can't say that oh, my God, this is, this is insane. So I used to work out in Lancaster by the Lancaster Airport, and Drew used to work in an office building. Right off on, Walden. Right off Walden. I passed it every day on my way to work. So it might have been like Super Bowl, Super Bowl weekend, Super Bowl weekend Friday. This is what like he was just experimenting yes. with his wing dip. Yeah, he wanted to Very. make sure that it was good. This is this was I, the impetus of the wing dip. I yeah I but the way I had to deliver it so was he shows in, up, I he show up in to I walk front. in front desk I go I'm looking for Drew Gear and she like I guess goes into their database to look at everybody that worked where she has probably just outlook maybe and she was like there's no drew geeter here i'm like no no he works here i know i just talked to him like a half hour ago via text i'm dropping some chicken wing dip off for him no there's no drew gear that works here so i pulled my phone out and i I call him, and he and I'm like, dude, I'm at the front desk. They say you don't work here, and he's like, I'll be out. So Drew appears in the and the woman goes, Oh, Andrew, <laughs> you didn't think? Just that, look by last name. You last name alone. You didn't think 
Drew and Andrew could be the same. Yeah. So this is that, the type of organization yeah. we're running at this point. And this is the problem. I quit that organization right away because I recognize this is going nowhere good. Yeah. Bad things are coming and I want to get off the tracks before the train comes. And I did. And everyone who stuck around there got screwed because a much longer, a much larger organization bought them out, made everybody feel good, even bought, like not bought, but rented offices, very gorgeous office space out in Elma or I guess East Aurora. It was East Aurora, yeah. And then immediately shuttered, as soon as it was finalized, just shuttered the whole organization, took all their contracts and moved them to a cheaper organization. Yeah. And and put 150 people, almost 200 people out of a job. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that coming a mile away and got out of Dodge. Quentin Spain did the same thing because he took a look and goes, there are things going on here behind the scenes that none of you fans are privy to. Talk your shit. But I know what time it is. I remember him sending out the picture of his watch. Quentin Spain twinted, tweeted out a picture of his watch. And he was like, I know what time it is. I've always made my, I've made my whole life off knowing what time it was. Knowing where I was, when to jump, when not to jump, what time, what opportunities to jump on, what, what, when I should get out of Dodge. It sounds like he did the best thing he could for his career. Yeah was getting as far away from a team that was about to get railroaded as he could. Now, when you look at Sean McDermott, here's the thing I love about him. Actions speak louder than words. 2017, he fires offensive coordinator Rick Dennison after one season with the team. Chris, you know I hated him. Yeah. Okay? You also hated Dayball, so. Dennison's input helped him pull the trigger on starting uh, Nathan Peterman. Nathan Peterman, yeah. But ultimately, it was his call, and, yeah, he did it, and he did own it, but that doesn't change the fact that it happened. Right. It also doesn't have anything to do with your decision to trade for Kelvin Benjamin for the fuck all that did. Yep. 2021, you kind of force a failed offensive approach on your offensive coordinator until he literally threatens to just quit. And then you lose a game to the Jaguars, and you go, fine. All right, call your offense. Well, that's, yeah, right. Yep. And then they go back to just scoring points. But here's a question. Dable wasn't to blame for the state of the offensive line and their inability to play power football. You didn't draft or build a power offensive line. So what made you think that you could just pivot to a new play-calling style and then it would be sustainable? Mm -hmm. There's nothing. There's nothing that you did to promote the type of offense in 2021 that you were trying to shove down everyone's throat. Yep. And then at the end of the season, right, promotes a first-time play-caller rather than allowing a te uh, holding an interview process. They go, nah, we've got our guy. He's in-house. It's fine. We don't need interviews. We don't need to talk to... J they didn't even give Joe Brady a shot. Right. I bet you if you had interviewed, Joe Brady probably would have done better on a whiteboard than Ken Dorsey. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We know that now. They didn't even ask. Mm -hmm. I mean, you had, you had a bunch of offensive coordinators on this staff, right? Like, you could have you given it to Mike Shula if you wanted a guy, a guy with experience. So is this how you would have asked to feel like... Is this how you would have filled that vacancy, being a manager? When you look at how managing people go, if you had a vacancy 
you would hold auditions for a job. You always, always post. You wouldn't have just shoved a guy in there because your quarterback says he likes him, right? Yep. Okay. 2022, Leslie Frazier separates from the team under... In fact, actually, it's probably worth noting before we go on. After 2021, Heath Farwell, special teams coordinator. We had a great special teams unit that year. Except for the non-squib kick with 13 seconds left. Except for the non-squib kick. Except I have it on good authority that uh, there was an argument. Security couldn't leave from someone who I know because there were still people in the building. Went on until 1 o'clock in the morning. There was a very heated discussion going on in the building that security couldn't leave for. And then the next day, Heath Farwell was no longer a member of the Buffalo Bills, but he was never fired. Right. Like, Chris, your graphic he left. YouTube thumbnail? Yeah. Yep. Slightly flawed. Heath Farwell was not fired. And I want to make that clear to anybody who's listening to this. His contract... His contract was not expired renewed. And chose not to renew it. His contract yeah. was not renewed. <laughs> yeah, so he got fired, or he quit. There, there, there was an, there was some trigger point where he did not return to the football team. Because 20- keep in mind, if your contract expires, you, it's not necessarily that you got fired. It's entirely possible that yeah. you were presented with a new contract and you said no. So there. 2022 Leslie Frazier separates from the team under curious circumstances. Can we admit that? Yeah. Can we all? Are we all finally willing to admit that it's weird that Leslie Frazier just chose to step away from the team? A guy who's been coaching in the NFL hey, whoa, whoa. for decades. Not just coached in the NFL for decades, but then also joined the program that's meant to be an accelerator program to black coaches being a head coach. Mm-hmm. Like, so you still have a passion to coach you just don't want to be the bills defensive coordinator this year right because being a defensive coordinator isn't the stepping stone to getting a head coaching job right being a coordinator period he took the blame for that defensive game plan against cincinnati but the offense offered zero support Mm -hmm. and that was allowed that was that that was just shrugged at now, he re- in 2023, he retains Dorsey as offensive coordinator only to fire him after an embarrassing string of losses. Not just one, not just two, but a gross number of them. And this is where I don't respect what McDermott's done here. First of all, it starts the season with immediate beef with our star players and then slips up and admits that he's very concerned, Right. Um, yeah, I'm very worried about this Stefan Diggs issue. Yeah, Diggs is probably fucking furious with the fact that that he. Do you think Stefan Diggs knows what an offense looks like? Yeah, it's been around him enough. Okay. So do you think he knows what a fucking Rube looks like when he sees one? Oh, yeah. He's been around a lot. <laughs> Chris, it would have been like if they had given me the job and Stefan Diggs walks in and goes, hey, I want to talk to you all before I start the season. And so they hold a meeting, and they bring Ken Dorsey, and he goes, that guy shouldn't be here. He doesn't deserve to be in this room. I do more so than you, more so than you, and definitely more than that guy. And of course it becomes contentious, because you as a staff have to defend your guy. That's your guy. This is where I turn into fucking uh, El Pacino. 
from any given Sunday. That's my guy. I gotta, you know, you gotta scratch a claw for every inch. Yeah. It, there's actually a really funny uh, O&A bit. But they talk about how El Pacino progressed from any, uh, well, what is it, Dog Day Afternoon? Mm-hmm. Where he's talking like this, and he's very nasal, and then they talk about the Godfather years, and then they talk about how somewhere along the line he became daddy from Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. I gotta talk about my guy. Son of a woman. <laughs> son of that a was, woman. That was the turning <laughs> point. That was the turning point for Al Pacino. <laughs> I gotta talk like this. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta sound like I'm being sexy every time I speak. Yep. Yep. <laughs> That's it. This is the thing, though. It's like, look, what are you doing? Like, you have... Okay, so your best offensive pass catcher hates this guy. That's probably a bad sign. Yeah, that's not not ideal. But you right? back your guy. <laughs> like, yeah. And then you have the struggles, right? Week one, week five, week six, week seven. And then you start going down the rabbit hole of like, wait, where are we going? We're getting sucked down to the seventh level of hell. Dorsey's play calling can't account. Like, I get it. It was bad. But it doesn't make up for all the mistakes, no. does it? No. Like, his play calling can't account for more absurd turnovers from your multi-million. Maybe he can. The lack of structure, you're just causing him to freelance. Maybe. How about confusing decisions on when to blitz mm-hmm. from a defensive coordinator slash head coach? How about a ridiculous lack of focus by our special teams unit in one of the most critical moments of all time? By a head coach who prides himself on detail-oriented. we got to have special teams, guys. We literally prioritize our roster building around special teams. Well, it's not just that, but it's it's the things no, that... No, 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 I want to talk about that. Right, but it's the things you that... You think that this matters. Right. It fucking doesn't. But he also comes out and says things like complementary football, right, which means special teams. He also talks about being detail-oriented, which means those things shouldn't happen. He talked in the pr- post-game press conference that they practiced getting the defense off the field and the special teams unit on in that exact situation. And then it happens. So it, it's it's these... So either then you're bad. You're bad at having your team practice a scenario. Or everyone you've brought on is terrible at special teams. Yeah. Either way, they're both your fault. Well, they're, they're, yeah. I mean, and there's a lot of things, right? It's, it's things that, that we've talked about. It's clock management. It's timeout management. It's challenging it's, things. It's challenging. It's challenging. Bad challenges. It's you know whatever, whatever else, right? But but then what happens is there's a it, it becomes that that entire sequence becomes a microcosm of things that we've talked about McDermott struggling with. You call a timeout to force Denver to either kick or I'm going to call another timeout. But you've called a timeout. You've called another timeout. You know what's coming, right? You know what's coming. You know it's a kneel, and it's a field goal unit. You've called a timeout, and you know what's coming. Everyone in the stadium who watches that game knows what's coming. A kneel down and a field goal. So again, I reiterate, you know what's coming. You call a timeout. You've supposedly practiced it all week. And Allegedly. you still get caught with your pants down. Then you're better. There is your zero. Job. There was no one to blame but the head coach in that scenario. 
And yet at the same time, he found a scapegoat. And whether and whether or not it's because he's running the defense and he's too focused on the defense and he's not focused on the rest of the stuff, maybe it's just he's bad at his job, right? Like, that's entirely possible. But at a certain point, there's only so many... There's only so many people he can get rid of before it's you're firing people. You're firing the people that you've hired telling me that they're the problem, but you were the one that hired them. Here's what I'll say, because I know we're we've gone long on a lot of this. Now, Chris is going to start crying soon. I don't care. I want to say this. McDermott is not a bad coach. He's not the worst coach in the NFL. We've watched decades of bad coaches run in and out of Buffalo. We've seen the Mike Malarkeys of the world, right? We've watched the Chan Gailies. We've watched every iteration of Smart Guy, Greg Williams. We've watched different coaches who were just bad head coaches come in and out of this city. Sean McDermott's not a bad head coach. He's also not a great one. Mm -hmm. Now, here's what I'll talk about. You can't accomplish what McDermott has here in Buffalo without having talent for your job, right? Like, you're talking about building a culture from nothing. You're talking about, like, you're talking about being a perennial playoff contender. You're talking about being a perennial Super Bowl contender. We've never been talked about like this until Sean McDermott arrived. A lot of it's a quarterback. A, a lot a lot of that is a lot of that credit by Vegas by other places they look at Josh Allen they go Josh Allen's a monster he scores points at will mm-hmm. if you give him the tools he has the tools I don't know why you wouldn't he absolutely would have a job somewhere else in 2024 Who's if this, you McDermott? were McDermott if yeah. you were to fire him He'd today be a defensive coordinator tomorrow yep. oh no 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 a head coach Look at the number of teams that need uh, a rudderless team that needs an identity and needs to rebuild their own culture. Carolina, Chicago, Atlanta, Tampa Bay, Vegas, the Chargers, the fucking Patriots could use a Sean McDermott. There's a million teams that could use what he has to sell. At the same time, it can also be true in the same breath that Sean McDermott is not the coach for this iteration now of what the Bills are. You can build something for Chris. It's like building a house. You can frame it, but are you a finisher? No. Cable, then I need a finisher. Right. And I don't think you're it. I don't think you have the touch. I don't think you understand the nuances that are necessary from a – not even from a roster perspective, from a person, like from a roster management perspective. The fact that you benched James Cook. Now, we're going to talk about this in another podcast, but James Cook is one of the most explosive running backs in football. Statistically, it's been proven. Over the course, over, over the course of the season, rushing yards overexpected. James Cook is fourth best in the NFL, ahead of names like Christian McCaffrey, Bijan Robinson, you know, or, uh, J- Jameer Gibbs, who's had a lot of great games for Detroit Especially recently. recently. Yeah, Saquon Barkley, Derrick Henry. 
He's he's a great running back. Yeah. He fumbled on his first play on what was a great play by the defensive player, and you you bench him, you take him off the field. Okay, that came from you. It didn't come from the offensive coordinator because mm-hmm. he would never. He needs that guy. His game plan has been built around that player. You bench him for a quarter, what, out of vindictiveness? Well, I'll show him. He needs to be more... There is nothing older or more pathetic than that. My wife texted me. I'm going to read it to you guys. As I was driving home from work today, she asked me, she goes, are you in the car? I said, yeah. She goes, WGR is brutal right now. Chopin Bulldog just don't even know how to respond to these horrible opinions. It's so uncomfortable, but you need to listen to this. And then she said, I think they've said some form of, I couldn't disagree with you more, or that couldn't be further from the truth, like three times. Who knows what's up now? Nobody knows what's up or down. And what I hate about the way Sean McDermott's run this football team is that it reminds me a lot of that that book, uh, 1984, Mm -hmm. where it's like the party told you to reject the evidence of your eyes and ears. Sean McDermott's telling me that I'm supposed to blame Ken Dorsey for all of my problems and that he was the guy who's supposed to bear the accountability of all of the failures. He is the reason there was 12 guys on the field for that kickoff. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in the way, you know, the way I feel about Sean McDermott, and Chris, I know, pulled the audio for me because he was kind enough to, goes back to the podcast you and I did. It was the 500th episode. Yep. It was right after they lost to the Bengals. So I'll let Chris play it, and then I'll get your thoughts on it. Because I don't know if you want push to shove. In the old school NFL, the coach would always win. In the new NFL, you cannot cannot waste a talent like Josh Allen and not get to the Super Bowl. If if McDermott doesn't make a Super Bowl in the next two years, you have to fire him. I'm of the belief that if he doesn't make the Super Bowl next year, he needs to be gone. And, sorry, I'll, let me preface that. If he doesn't make it to the Super Bowl next year and it's glaring issues like we saw this year as to why they didn't make it, then he needs to go. There you go. So the glaring issues we talked about last year, right? Damar uh, 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 Hamlin. First of all, awesome for you to pull that clip and be like, "Hey, I know I'm the man." Yeah, I mean it's, but but we talked about what happened last year, right? I mean, and everybody everybody talked about it. The reasoning behind why there was the failure against the yeah. the Bengals. It was Damar Hamlin. It was, you know, the the shooting that took place at the Tops Market. There was like the the snowstorm that pressure. that caused the game to get moved. Like there were so many things that that happened to this team that they They're pointed all at. Convenient excuses. And then the re- and then you hear the Ty Dunn interview with Isaiah McKenzie. Yep. And it turns out that there wasn't too much detail around the shoes that these players were wearing coming into the game. There wasn't a lot of detail around the game plan. What was what were we going to do? We were going to run the same offense that we were going to do instead of going to what Cincinnati did, which was a short passing attack or running game because the snow caused the field. So, again, the the attention to detail. Well, how about this? You want to talk about Ty Dunn? You know what? I'm not going to put the man's business in the street, but... I'll say this. It doesn't pay to to admit that the emperor has no clothes. And it's one of the weakest moves I've ever seen from a head coach in Yeah. Ugh. And and it's and that the article I retweeted it, so if if you're interested in, in knowing what we're talking about, I retweeted Ty Dunn's article about the thirteen second collapse and, and McDermott's 
hand in that. And they're right there. Just just sets me off. And 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 supposedly, and I'll I'll, I'll say what Drew will not has not said is that there's supposedly that that there's a a that has what caused Ty to not be able to cover the team as closely as he did in the past. I'll 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 say that is the article that he wrote about McDermott. But beyond that. So the 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 clip that we just played where we talked about back after the Cincinnati loss where I was of the belief that if they don't make it to the Super Bowl this year Sean McDermott needs to be fired. When I said that, Drew, was there even a thought in your head that they wouldn't even make the playoffs? No. It never occurred to me that we would fail to make the playoffs the following season. And yet now here we are forwarding Right now, our current playoff projection, according to the New York Times playoff simulator, today, even with, as we're going to talk about in our AFC's roundup show, best best case scenario, we're looking at maybe 25%. Yeah. You're at a quarter of a coin flip to make it. Now, you have some say in that, but also, so does everybody else. You gave the rest of the world control over something that if you were a good head coach, that would never come up. Not with this talent. Like, you lost the talent on defense. Understandable. No one's asking your defense to hold teams to 10 points. Right. But if what you've built from a coaching perspective is the reason we can't score 25, then you're an ass. Mm -hmm. And I have no sympathy for what happens to you. And that's the world that we currently live in. It's brutal. Like, this is what I'll say. It's not enough at this stage of the Bills' development to have a roster full of talented players who believe and play together. That's not enough. Okay? I don't give a shit about culture now. Do you think the Eagles are still having conversations about culture? Nope. No! They don't give a fuck. It's do you, what, Chris, I see you waving your hands. What about subculture? <laughs> I, I'm drinking another beer now. You know, you know what this that, is your fault. You know what that, you know what that press conference was? That was when, again, you, you go in and you start just using all the fancy buzzwords. It's like when you graduate from college and you've learned all the buzzwords for the industry you want to work in. So you go into a job interview and you start using words that you don't really know the answer to, but you've heard people say it. So you're like subculture, subculture of the culture, because you know it, it's it's the game's won in the margins. Like it's all these things that don't really mean anything Do in the grand you know scheme of things. How many how many conference calls I've sat through where people talk about things like margin and like, luckily not now. Like now things are a little bit better for me professionally. But what I'll tell you is, in fact, they were bad. I didn't have to sit through calls back in the day. But the conversations you have with people where you talk about profit margin, you go, I don't think you understand what it is you're saying. This is just a term that you've been taught to throw around. Mm-hmm. That's it. And there's a million of them. And he's not alone. Sean McDermott's not the only coach spinning this bullshit out there. He's not. What I do know is that here's what I want out of a coach at this point in the game with the development of this roster. Right? Right? This franchise has already picked its guys, right? Like, what's happening right now in New England? Like, if this hasn't already shown everybody, it isn't enough to have historical success. 
the the shine wears off things very quickly in the NFL. It's a very much it's a short memory league. The best thing I can think of is Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson, there's a statue of a guy outside the arena because of what Doug Peterson did in Philly. He got fired two years after he won him the Super Bowl. Yep. I have a feeling that they know that. And so this is all the long game of just, hey, can we extend this? How long can we stay here and just be the team that doesn't risk it for the biscuit? And also, they never go whole hog. Right at the trade deadline, they're never the team making the big plunge. They're never the team in the draft going, hey, fuck it, we'll, we'll sacrifice half our draft yep. to go get a star player. They've played it safe and safe and safe, and they're doing this because they recognize that the guys, like if you're the tallest blade of grass, doesn't matter because the NFL's memory is long, and if you hemorrhage those assets that keeps you from being better than mediocre, you'll get fired. Well, guess what? You guys are worse than mediocre now, and you didn't do that. You didn't take any of the chances. You didn't try. You never took the big swing. You never took a swing, and yet you struck out. That'll be the most pathetic part of this entire thing. You will have struck out knowing that you never took a swing at it. Mm -hmm. I look at this, and I go, your job as a head coach is to, like, you've picked your guys already. Your job is to identify the talent. If you're a coach, like like I said, it's easier to be a GM than a coach. GM, your job is to negotiate contracts, scout, scout draft stuff, manage a team of scouts, manage pro scouts who are scouting for future free agency. But all of that is based off of what your head coach wants. Right. The guy that you've handpicked to be the guy who wins your team games. You're now structuring everything in this organization. I've heard all these people bitching about when's Bean going to say something. He's not. One, they don't speak during the season. Two, it's all a reflection of the head coach. The head coach goes to him with a shopping list and says, hey, go get me the thing I need. Here's what I need in order to win this year. And the GM goes, okay, well, here's what we have in the budget. I can get you this, this, this. I can draft this, this, and then shift this money to free agency we can do a balanced approach. We can put all of our money like we do with Von Miller into one signing and just hope the rest pan out. It's all up to what the head coach wants to be. So realistically, this is a guy who not only has to report to that guy and help him do his job, but then you think about it farther down. For our coordinators, that means having a winning science for X's and O's in place. But if you're the head coach, it means you have to pick the right people to put the X's and O's consistently in place and to build the chemistry on both sides of the ball and help him ID the talent that he needs in order to accomplish that. I look at this and I go, Poyer has no range. Mm -mm. Look at that Broncos game. He gave up the most yardage of any defensive back on the roster. Yep. This has been a theme this season. It was a mistake to bring Poyer back. I'm willing to say it. Yep. I'm not trying to be insulting. The guy's been through a lot. He's been a warrior for the Bills. 100, 100 a, games he's played for the team. But it was a mistake to bring him back this year and make him a starter. Yep. But you did it. Like, you also, you look at that benching. Mm. That benching is stupid coaching. Yeah. No offensive coordinator did that. You did that. You made that call. And if this staff doesn't believe any of that, then I just don't know what they're doing here anymore. 
from top to bottom, if you don't believe it. And while I can appreciate everything that Sean McDermott has done for this football team, the window here for us as a franchise, this current window, maybe they open another one somehow. But this one's closing. And it's looking more and more and more like the Norv Turner Chargers. Like, we're just here with a a pretty good quarterback who doesn't have a lot of support from the coaching staff. And it's going to fizzle out. And then every passing season, it gets worse. Mm-hmm. It's ugly. And I hate it. And I don't know how far this goes. Chris, what happens if we miss the playoffs? Like, here we were, we were going to talk about Hero and Zero. Like, I wanted to talk about Dalton Kincaid, but we're out of time. We spent way too much time just d- deriding this coaching staff. Dalton Kincaid's right now the sixth in the NFL in average separation. He's third on the team in yards after the catch. But he leads all Bills pass catchers over the last three games. 197 yards and two touchdowns. Chris, give me that hero of the game drop. One time. Don't take it personally, all right? Franchise star players are a lot like Highlanders. There can only be one. There is only one Dalton Kincaid, and we fucking have him. And we're not, like, they're finally realizing that he should be let loose? Well, and he's doing exactly what they drafted him to do, right? Like, be the number two option on a great offense. The problem is is that he's the number two option on an offense that can't get out of its own way. The zero drop, if I had to give one, is everybody. Everybody who believed in this, myself included. We all believed in Sean McDermott. We sat here like suckers. We signed up for season tickets. We continued to do the thing that we do, which is just blindly follow these guys. I had this team at 14-3 and three preseason. Yep. Of course you did, because you looked at me and you said, how can we lose to this shitty Broncos team? I had, well, I had the first loss of the season I had coming against this Broncos team, because I thought the Broncos were going to be better than they were last year. But I had them at 14 wins. <laughs> like, this is, we've, we've all been made to look stupid, but it's not our fault. This is what happens when you have a guy who's peaked. And I guess that's the question. Has Sean McDermott peaked in Chris? Yes. Has he run out of people to throw under the bus here? Yes. Right now, it's him and Josh Allen. They're the last two central figures of the entire organ, like the entire operation. If things continue to not go well, one of you can't get fired. <laughs> one of you can. How do you see that ending? About, uh... As bad as the show needs to end. <laughs> Guys, always the producer, Chris Kruger, telling me to wrap it up. Do you wish you had the wrap it up box from the Chappelle show? Yo, B, wrap it up. Slap the side. No, I could just press stop now and then that's it. It would be hilarious if you did. Ryan, it's crazy that we're here as fans and we've gotten to see the entire, like, this really is the Chargers fan experience, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. We hope that it has a better outcome. If it doesn't, are you prepared to accept, like, or maybe even call for? I know I will. Just a complete upheaval. Yeah, you heard the clip, right? For everybody who <laughs> wants this, I'm just ready. I'm finally where Ryan is. I'm just ready for what comes next. Because for everyone who goes, well, you better have a plan. 
Does this look like a plan? Does this strike you as a group of people who have a plan? No? Okay. That's all I need to hear. Guys, this has been cathartic. I hope it has been for you. We're going to get the hell out of here. I'm Drew Gear. That's Ryan Lacell. Where, where can everyone follow you on social media? At Ryan Lacell underscore RSN. And that's Chris Kruger. And this has been your Rock Power Report.